listening to the Cock and Bull Podcast, a history show. I'm Spencer. The man over there is Nathan. Hi. I'm staring deep into Spencer's eyes, and it's deeply uncomfortable. I wish we didn't have to do it like this. I love the fact that all, and the cool part is, is all you are, because you are in black, but mm-hmm. your chair and the and your backdrop is entirely purple. So you are just a floating head in a sea of purple. <laughs> Um, as you run my babe, my station, I, I gave Spencer the wheel to my, my Ferrari of a, of a recording studio and I feel very uncomfortable outside of the driver's seat. I want, I, I'm not. You feel uncomfortable. I'm looking what, it feels like the pond cave stretched 12 feet longer <laughs> and I, I feel like I'm in a trick room. Like this is some weird carnival attraction. Well, like Because the I... last time, if you, if you remember the last time during the banana bill hours that we did this in the pond cave, um, we were having to do it huddled around a Yeti. Um, since that time, uh, thanks to the uh, the good, good folks over at Dumb and Awful, we, uh, the pod cave was upgraded to an actual setup. So uh, now now we're just in our own chairs. We're back. We're leaned. We're, we're comfortable. We're having fun. It's a good time. Uh, it's a good time out it's here. It's a great time in the pod cave, guys. It's a great time to live in the pod cave. Spencer, you've been hyping this one for a while. I have. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. March 24th, 1897. Oh, it's a good year. Wilhelm Reich Uh is born the Uh first of two sons to Leon Reich, a farmer, Uh and his wife, Cecily. Why not? (laughs) There is some umlauts. I can think of some reasons why not, and most of them stem from the fact that that's probably not her name. Who puts an umlaut over an A? I don't understand language. I put umlauts wherever I want to put umlaut. But okay, all right, so tell me about Mr. Reich, Spencer, because this doesn't sound like it might be a problem. He was, at all. He was born in Dobzow, Galicia, uh, which was Wait, Austria-Hungary at the time and is now Ukraine. We've been to Galicia before on this show. And it's depressing that I know that we've been to Galicia before, but I know we've been to Galicia before. And someone else who's smarter and more diligent than me, go back and figure out the last time we were in Galicia, because I know we were there. We've definitely been in the Austria-Hungary part before. It may have been the Austro-Civil War. That sounds like a time where the Romanis got involved in Schultz Schnapps to some people and did some things. Yes, and Nathan said words that he shouldn't have. Okay, you know what? There- that was before. I That was in the before time in the long, long ago. We don't talk about that. We don't get to bring up some of it, not all of it. Can't no. cherry pick. No. Oh, yeah. All right. Reich had a sister. Uh, she was born one year before him and died in infancy. Well, that seems like a relevant fact to bring up. Mm. Shortly after his birth, the family moved to Jujenay, a village in Bukovina. Yeah. All right. All right. So far, we're not doing bad. Where his father ran a cattle farm leased by his mother's uncle, Josef Blum. Oh, okay. Are we doing? Is this is this the start of the producers? Are you about to tell me about Bialystok next? Is he coming up down? Is he coming down the pipeline? Well, listen, I don't like to show my hand. Okay. Well, his father. Right was now, described, you can't help it. I can see both your hands. They're his, there. His father was described Guys, as a jealous he has, man. He has no idea what to do with his hands. Just so you know, it's so weird. I don't like that someone else is nearby while I do this. Both parents were Jewish, but decided against raising the boys as Jews. <laughs> That's an interesting life decision to make right there. Opting out. (laughs) All right. uh, No, I'm not. No, they're not going to be Jewish. Yeah, I'm passing. I'm opting out. No, well, maybe maybe next generation can have it, but I'm thinking we do a no Jew build this time around. I was about to say. I mean, it's now, and this is pre. I mean, let's let's be real. It's never been a hot, great time for the Jewish people in uh, in in Eastern and Central Europe. Like they're like the pogrom. (laughs) The pogroms are a thing. um, But uh, but it's just interesting to just go. You know what? Skipping it, not into it, not really into that whole Yahweh thing. We're uh, we're passing hard pass on this one, guys. I think his dad knew something we all didn't, and just what the guy with the last name Reich had an inclination. Is that what you're telling me, Spencer? So Reich and his brother Robert were brought up to speak only German, and were punished for using Yiddish expressions and forbidden from playing with the yokel Yiddish speaking children. <laughs> okay, this is such a weird. Okay. All right. All right. I'm 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 here. I'm along for the ride. What, what are we doing? And the abuse doesn't really stop there. The extent of it is not fully understood or confirmed, um, which is why we're going to jump forward a little bit to when Reich is 12. That's that. All right. Uh, this is the formative years. This is when he learns he has magneto powers. It was up to 12 that he was homeschooled. Oh, is a good sign. He was homeschooled, but not by his parents, but by a live-in tutor. So that's less homeschool. Um. I think they're like a fundamental part of homeschool is that the person teaching you can't be the uh, 
can't, can't has to be paterfamilias. Like it has to be someone that you're you're related to. It can't. If Aristotle comes in and teaches me, I'm not being homeschooled. I'm just being a. <laughs> I just have a very a very very small private school, and it's at my house. Exactly. It's and I feel like you're spending more money than people assume homeschooling does. Yes, I you assume know? homeschooling costs no money. I'm assuming that is a free service that is offered to us for people that want to grow up socially awkward. Now, when Reich was being, you know, homeschooled or getting his expensive private schooling in with this live-in tutor. Being tutored, if you will. Yeah, being tutored with this live-in tutor. Reich wrote about an affair. In the 1920s, he wrote about an affair that his mother was having at this young age. Did she Did she see him kissing Santa Claus? Well... He saw her kissing the live-in tutor. Oh. She, it's, see, she was doing anything for him to get that A. A little hot for teacher action, if you were. A little, exactly. A little, little, little Van Halen reference for the, for the pod. Now, when Reich found out that his mother was banging the tutor, what do you think he did? I assume he handled it like a normal, well-adjusted person, and we moved on, and this didn't become a weird, he assassinated the tutor in an Oedipus rage sort of thing. Well, he wrote that, he would follow his. This is him as an adult looking back on this. That's so, always good. That mm-hmm. sort of that sort of reflection is always healthy. So being um, being able to address this uh, thing he's about to do, mm. just just think just think about the state of mind he's mm-hmm, in as an adult. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He wrote that he would follow his mother when she went to the tutor's bedroom at night, uh, feeling ashamed and jealous, and wondering. If they would kill him, if they found out that he knew, so he's a little, he's a little pervert, he's a okay. little creeping Tom. Okay. So he's he's watching, mm-hmm. he's he's going to. Wa- okay, that's so the thing. He's into it. I don't like any of it. Uh, I'm getting very much the jogger vibes from uh, like Jeffrey Dahmer later in life uh-huh. right now. I'm getting mm-hmm. very much those vibes off of this right now. Yeah, the impending terror vibes are pretty good. Uh huh. He briefly he briefly thought about blackmailing his mother with this um, in order to to bang her. So well. Uh, my Oedipus pull was a little bit early, but not unfounded, we have now learned. But good news, Nathan. Good news. Good news. Our dirty bird did not follow through with that plan. Instead, no. after, I assume, um, abusing himself to the to the thought for a few good weeks, mm-hmm, he reports mm-hmm. it to his father. That seems a like jealous a, man. a jealous, angry German man. <laughs> but right now, I'm worried that this angry, large German man is going to go all, uh, you know, Reinhardt and just get a hammer out and start a bash him. Well, hammer down because in the end he uh, commenced with a series of protracted beatings. Okay, um, all right. So his mom kills herself in 1910. Well, that that seems to be a good response to the protracted beatings. And Reich blames himself for that. Real? Does he? He blames himself for alerting his father to the thing that made him beat his mother to the point that she killed himself. I wonder why he feels guilt around that. So with the tutor ordered out of the house, that seems like a reasonable thing that should have come before the beatings. They didn't include ordered out with hammers and fists, but. But I feel like that was implied. Reich was sent to an all-male gymnasium in Sersnowitz. <laughs> I okay. I know gymnasium is like not in that term, but, but just, just think about it. I'm in this just sphere. imagining that he just got sent to the YMCA. He's like, <laughs> "All right, well, your tutor's gone, young man. Time to go. Uh, time to go learn the ways of the world. You will have a weak brain, but a strong body." Yes. It was during this period that a skin condition appeared, diagnosed oh. as psoriasis. Ah, it's all right. It plagued him for the rest of his life, leading several commentators to remark on his ruddy complexion. I I don't love how many people are commentating on this man. That's that's worrisome just in and of itself. He visited brothels every day. That's too many times. Those must have been the commenters. That's too many times. I I I'm not I'm not shaming. Sex work is work. I'm here for it. I support you, but. Every day is too many days. It's a little bit too much. Um, now he, he, he... Yeah. Yeah, I did a lot of that. Did a lot of that. And wrote in his diary of his disgust for the women there. So, oh, good. So he's got that really, really great, great combo with toxic masculinity of, I'm going to go fuck them every day, but I also don't respect them at all or think that they're people. Look at them, these filthy, disgusting whores. I mean, they're sleeping with me. Yeah. Have they no standards? Yeah, this is this is shaping up. So, Spencer, this show has not traditionally just been about you telling me about awful serial murderers. Weird incels? Please yeah. tell well, me we're not going, this is not the 
the Joker right now. Like, this is not heavy Joker hours. His father died of tuberculosis in 1914. A uh, good development. I, I mean, of all the things that have happened so far, first one I'm kind of happy about. And because of rampant inflation, the father's insurance was worthless. So... That'll do. That'll, this, we're, we're what, 19? We're in 1914. The, oh, really? So, yeah, no no inflation going on in Europe right now. No no minor issues abound that are causing some inflationary issues. This nope. is prime real estate, uh, as far as time goes, for living in Germany. Yes. So, uh, and as a Jew. Yeah. Oh, well, Nathan, who said he's a Jew? Secret Jew. <laughs> this dad, if if this dad did one thing, it was make him not Jewish. I, he, Reich managed uh, the farm and continued with his studies, not receiving a dime of insurance money as it was worthless. Well, I mean, he received it. He just used it to, you know, light fires and things like that, as you did with Marx back in the day. <laughs> Graduating in 1915 with, drum roll, please, Stimmen Heinkelkeit. Spencer, did you just have a stroke? I think I just watched a stroke, guys. I saw it. Stimmenagelkleit. That's that's a venereal disease. It follows that in parentheses with unanimous approval. So basically they just all agreed he could graduate. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. so he was allowed to graduate. This is not a cum laude situation. This is a, eh, good enough. The Russians invaded uh, Bukovnia that summer, and the Reich brothers fled, losing everything. <laughs> I just imagine the Reich brothers as like a weird German parallel universe, Reich brothers, <laughs> where like the Reich brothers are over inventing airplanes, and the Reich brothers are just, I don't know, doing horrible things to sex workers. Yeah, I was say, devising ways to bang their mom. Yeah, <laughs> just... that, very that. Getting run out of town. So Reich wrote in his diary, quote, I never saw either my homeland or my possessions again. Of a well-to-do past, nothing was left. Yeah, yeah, poor you. So now he's down to nothing. Nothing but thoughts of mother. Yeah, God. And the brothels. Don't forget the brothels. (laughs) Reich joined the Austro-Hungarian army during the First World War, serving... Mm, Not a great side to pick. (laughs) From 1915 to 1918, for the last two years as a lieutenant at the Italian front with 40 men under his command. Oh, I mean, that's a pretty shitty command right there. Come it's on, man. not a I've lot. Commanded, I've commanded more people at a sandwich shop than that man. <laughs> I mean, let's let's not get carried away with ourselves. Now, when the war ended, he headed for Vienna, enrolling in law at the University of Vienna, uh, but found it dull and switched to medicine after the first semester. Objectively, I, probably accurate. I don't think I can count on my hands the number of cock and bowl subjects we've had that went through the University of Vienna, burn it to the ground. I mean, honest just... to God, it is the nexus. It's like it's like in Ghostbusters where all the guys, I mean, track it back, go find Zool and burn that place down. So he gets bored of that and switches to medicine after the first semester. Also another cock and bull staple. A, a, I, I kind of wanted to be a lawyer, but I'm going to be a crazy doctor instead. Yep. He arrived uh, with nothing in a city with little to offer. Reich lived on soup oats and dried fruit from the university canteen and shared an unheated room with his brother and another undergraduate. I don't love how much his brother is just like the silent wanderer in this tale. I want him to do something, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's just going to die and that's going to be the straw that breaks I'm, the camel's yeah, back. Yeah, I'm more afraid that he is going to do something and it's it's not going to be great. I'm, I, I see him as accomplice material and I don't love any of it. <laughs> he slept in his coat and gloves uh, to stave off the cold. I mean, it's just that's just smart. Just sort of lived in his doctor's outfit. <laughs> he fell in love with another medical student, Leah Lasky, with whom he was dissecting a corpse. Oh, yes. That's no. where all good romances no. start. All good bonding happens. Open oh. and open cadaver. I've noticed our, our hands have touched over over the sternum. I've, oh, God. Is, were you going to grab the, oh, God. Grab the heart of his eye? <laughs> Hold on. Let me break this rib back. <laughs> oh, God. You, you want oh, wish, 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 wish born. Born. <laughs> Did I ever tell you how much I hate women? Oh. <laughs> Please ignore my uh, my blemishes. I almost fucked my mother. I was so close, so close. No, she's dead now. She's very it's dead. It's my fault. Ah, it's it is. Ah, Spencer's German is so much better than mine, guys. Let it not, let it be said. <laughs> Myron Sharaf, his biographer, wrote that Reich loved medicine. Oh, I, I don't love that this guy. Ha- Everything about this guy's life has been awful to this point. The fact that he has a biographer is. T- Terrifying me. Do you think that's uh, because he's going to reach a, a point of infamy or a cult following? No, I'm going infamy. I'm going pure infamy at this point. <laughs> All I have is wanted to fuck his mom, got his mom killed, is in Germany, about to start World War II as a secret Jew, and his name's Reich. Just nothing. And this is infamy all around. It's the darkest cock and bull timeline thus far. It really does not bode well. 
Reich first met Sigmund Freud in 1919. God fucking damn it! He's back. You son of a bitch! Play the boss theme. He asked Freud for a reading list for a seminar concerning sexology. That's not, that's not a thing. That's not a thing, Spencer. You just said that like it was a thing, but it's not a thing. It's the study of human sexuality. That's not what it is. That's human sexuality. And and I got my degree in it. (laughs) Sexology. That's a bad porno name. Back in, back in 2016, I got my degree in that. Sexology. I'm a doctor of fuck. It seems they left a strong impression on each other. Oh, did they? And that's that's a good sentence when Freud is involved. Ah, uh, because we did a whole episode on Freud, and I don't remember the psychopath with an Oedipus complex showing up in that episode. Freud allowed him to start meeting with analytic patients in September that year, so now he's in the field. He's oh, got subjects. Good, 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 good. Nothing, nothing wrong here. Although Reich was just 22 years old and still an undergrad, he was accepted as a guest member of the Vienna Psychoanalytic Association, becoming a regular member in October 1920. One of Reich's first patients was Lori Kahn, a 19-year-old woman with whom he'd had an affair. Of course, because there's nothing weird about your psychologist also fucking you. Freud had warned analysts not to involve themselves with their patients, but in the early days of psychoanalysis, this doesn't feel like advice that needs to be dispersed. Uh, Like, Freud's like warning him, now remember. (laughs) Remember. (laughs) Don't fuck him. Have you guys tried... This cocaine, it's awesome. According to Reich's diaries, Khan became ill in November 1920. So the girlfriend's Uh-oh. already getting sick. She's sick. What did she got? Did she catch the psoriasis? Can you do that? Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know medicine. She got a little bit of psoriasis and it and it evolved into sepsis, which Uh-oh. we know is the second evolution. Uh-oh. She slept in the in the same apartment that he was renting. The one the one he slept in with his coat and gloves? Yeah. So he was like, I'm in a good I'm in a good position. I was assuming maybe you want to come live with me. I have no heating. <laughs> you you know, one of the core tenants of, uh, of of housing. So welcome, welcome to my home. Here is your coat and your gloves. Night, night. <laughs> <laughs> this is a hot, the hot, uh, just a, a one step above sleeping on the streets. Wilhelm, where's your bed? You're looking at it. <laughs> now, when she died, Khan's mother suspected that her daughter died from a botched abortion that Reich had given her. Mm, uh, yeah, well, I mean, there, how many abortions in the 20s weren't botched? At a certain level. I mean, you've got to be... This is a low success rate at that point. No. Especially because we're in a very inventive time for medicine. They're really coming up with crazy I, new ways. I hate the phrase inventive and medicine. Just no. How about creative? Mm, <laughs> is that almost better? Almost worse. Artsy. Almost. almost <laughs> honestly, better. Better. <laughs> give me Picasso medicine. Give me, give me Guernica medicine. It was a serious allegation to make against a physician. Reich wrote in his diary that... The mother had been attracted to him and yeah. had made the allegation in order to damage him. Now, I want to know I, how those, those are related. Those two don't seem so. <laughs> she, she wanted him, and so she wanted to ruin him. She later committed suicide, and Reich blamed himself. Okie dokie. So people he's interacted with, had a horrible experience with, and then they commit suicide. We're up to two? Two yeah. on the counter? Okay, two on the counter. Weird two. sexual fantasies with those parties as well. Two on yeah. the board. Well, no, no, no. She wanted to fuck him this time. He didn't have any attraction to her. <laughs> If Khan did have an abortion, Turner wrote, she was the first of four of Reich's partners to do so. Two months after Khan's death, Reich accepted her friend, Annie Pink. Pink was Reich's fourth female patient, uh, a medical student three months shy of her 19th birthday. He had an affair with her, too, and married her in March 1922 at her father's insistence. Oh, uh, I'm going to bet. I'm going to contest that last part. Annie Reich, as she was now known, became a well-known psychoanalyst herself. The marriage produced two daughters, Ava and Lore. Lori? Lore. Lori. We, 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 we did it earlier. Yeah. Um, also, I'm confused because we had mentioned um, his multiple partners that got a whole bunch of abortions a couple minutes ago, and now we're talking about his wife and their two children. So this timeline's getting a little muddy. I'll need you to put it up on the whiteboard later for me, but keep going. Lore Reich Rubin also became a psychiatrist and psychoanalyst. Her name can't be, it has to be Lori. It can't be Lore. Oh, but my brain doesn't want to read it that way. I understand that. And that's her problem. <laughs> uh, you know what? Fact. She's dead. You're not. You win. Keep going. Uh, Lori's not dead. No, she's she's alive right now. She was born in 1928. Because he was a war veteran, Reich was allowed to complete a combined bachelor's and MD in four years instead of six and graduated in July 1922. I'm not sure why being in the military means you should have to study less. After graduating, he worked in internal medicine 
medicine at the city's University Hospital from 1922 to 1924. Reich became the assistant director under Hitchman in 1924 and worked there until his move to Berlin in 1930. Every time you start with an H name, I think you're going to drop the big one. (laughs) Every time. I hear a, and I'm like, oh, here it comes. Nope. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Between 1922 and 1932, the clinic offered free or reduced cost psychoanalysis to about a thousand and a half men and 800 women, many suffering from shell shock after World Uh, War One. All right. All right. I was about to say that some, uh, you could offer them real health care, but yeah, if you're dealing with uh, PTSD, I can see, you know, that being a valid thing. Now you got PTSD because you were doing some Imperialist bullshit. So, you know, fuck you, but fine. You know, I'm okay with it. Whatever. Do what you do. It was the second such clinic to open under Freud's discretion. Sheriff writes that working with laborers, farmers, and students allowed Reich to move away from treating neurotic symptoms to observing chaotic lifestyles and antisocial personalities. Oh, so he could mirror some and learn about his own. Reich argued that neurotic symptoms such as obsessive-compulsive disorder were an unconscious attempt to gain control of a hostile environment, including poverty or child abuse projecting. Um, And yet, that might be the least bullshitty thing I've heard you say on this podcast almost ever. That, 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 I could see that. They were examples of what he called, quote, character armor. Hold on now, because think about it. You have Mark Summers. Mm-hmm. That man is surrounded by more chaos and and just absolute mind-numbing that there are people jumping into giant noses to get flags for I don't for what a Casio keyboard for God's sakes that man <laughs> craved some control over his situation and developed a crippling case of OCD until he was allowed to go hang out with candy and other various sweets. I mean this tracks. This fucking tracks is what I'm saying. This guy had something going. He thought that this character armor was repetitive patterns of behavior, uh, speech and body posture, that served as defense mechanisms. Reich sought out patients diagnosed as psychopaths, believing that psychoanalysis could free them of their rage. Maybe if you treated these people's material conditions that caused them these sorts of weird things, you'd be fine, but no. Several commentators remarked on, first, his psoriasis, and second, (laughs) how captivating the seminars were and how eloquently Reich spoke. According to a Danish newspaper in 1934... The moment he starts to speak, not at the lectern, but walking around it on cat's paws. Wait, wait, wait. Huh? Why di- is he on all fours? <laughs> he is simply enchanting. Why is he on all fours? Okay, so this is a weird pop-marked Trotsky psychologist, and I don't like any of those sentences. In the Middle Ages, this man would have been sent into exile. He huh? is not only eloquent, he also keeps his listeners spellbound by his sparking personality, reflected in his small Dark eyes. Okay, so what? We're, so point for the Middle Ages, I guess, because that's that's. <laughs> I'm going like they, that. That's I've. That's the best justification I've heard for that ever. Reich's first book was published in 1925, The Impulsive Character, a psychoanalytic study. The book won in professional recognition from Freud, who in 1927 arranged for his appointment to the executive committee of the Vienna Psychoanalytic Society. You are the captain of the bullshit club. Oh, goody. Goody, goody, goody. The appointment was made over the objection of Paul Federn, who had been Reich's second analyst in 1922, and who, according to Sharaf, regarded Reich as a psychopath. Uh, really, you don't say. You don't, you don't don't say you don't say this is the dexter of psychologists right now is like i'll hide with the psychopaths beginning in 1924 reich published a series of papers on the idea of orgastic potency spencer why did the sexology have to come back it was never gonna leave it it, it must have the ability to release the emotions from the muscles and lose the self in an uninhibited orgasm Okay, we picked the worst episode to have to do in a room together. Reich argued that psychic health and the ability to love depended on orgastic potency. I I don't, I, it didn't help his mom. I don't know why he thinks it's going to help him. The full discharge of the libido. Stop blowing with the words. Quote, it is not just to fuck. Uh-huh. Not the embrace in itself. Nope. Not the intercourse. Mm-hmm. It is the real emotional experience of the loss of your ego. I, God, why did he have to bring the bullshit into the bullshit? This your this whole, is inception level bullshit of your whole spiritual self. This, this this sounds like how Sting describes fucking right now, and I don't like <laughs> I don't like fucking any of it. He argued that orgastic potency was the goal of character analysis, whereas Reich's work on character was well received by the psychoanalytic community because they were all high on coke and just fucking all the time. His work on orgastic potency was unpopular from the start and Good. later ridiculed. It, it later ridiculed. It wasn't ridiculed at the start. He came to be known as, quote, the prophet of the better orgasm. I swear to God damn. Or 
founder of a genital utopia. Reich's brother died of tuberculosis in 1926. Why did he even come up in the story when you're going to do him like that? This... Why Why even introduce him just to write him off like that? That is that is some Game of Thrones season eight it's, level shitty writing there, and I'm not hey, happy about it. fucking take it up with God, all right? I didn't write him into existence. Just I, But you wrote him into this story, you fuck, and I'm not happy about it. Here. Reich himself contracted it in 1927 and spent several weeks and in died. the winter. And died in the end of the episode. over. He spent several weeks in the winter in not only his coat and gloves, but in the sanatorium of Davos, Switzerland. Turner writes that Reich underwent a political and existential crisis in Davos. Uh-oh. He returned home in the spring angry and paranoid. Some months later, he and Annie were on the streets during the July Revolt of 1927 yeah. in Vienna, yeah. when 84 workers were shot and killed by cops and another 600 were injured. It seems that the experience changed Reich. He wrote that it was the first encounter he had with human irrationality. Uh, and he took the side of the workers and decided to help. Improve. He began to doubt everything and in 1928 joined the Communist Party of Austria. Okay. I'm not happy right now. <laughs> I'm I, I, saw the, I saw the excitement hit you and it's like, I don't want this guy on my fucking team. No, I'm very unhappy right now. Get him out of my club. Fuck him. It's no. like it's just like if I saw like a 60 minutes with Donald Trump and he also loves Overwatch. And I'm like, <laughs> fucking no. Damn it. I I, I didn't need that. I'm so upset right now. Why are you doing this to me? I hate I'm so mad at you. On to the sex poll movement. What? Partly no. in response to the shooting he had witnessed in Vienna. Why does that have anything to do with a sex poll? Reich, then 30 years old, opened six free sex counseling clinics in the city in 1927 for working class patients. Because that's what I need when I'm dealing with a class warfare is to figure out why my fuck game ain't right. <laughs> Each clinic was overseen by a physician with three obstetricians and a lawyer on call and offered what Wright called sex poll counseling. Why is the lawyer there? Why not, though? Why does the lawyer need to be involved why in the sex not, clinic? Though? That's my question. I can think of a couple reasons. Objection. <laughs> Objection. No foreplay. Take it back. Well, Sex poll stood for the German Society of Proletariat Sexual Politics. I can't stand. You are co-opting all of my language for the worst reasons in the world, and I hate you right now. I hate you so fucking much. Reich offered a mixture of psychoanalytic counseling, Marxist advice, and contraceptives. Those are the three things I need. I... I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this man did not read Marx. Therapy, <laughs> Marx, and condoms. This guy didn't read Marx. Danto writes, uh, and argued for a sexual permissiveness, including for young people and the unmarried, that unsettled other psychoanalysts and the political left. So he's like, I think young people should fuck. I don't think you gotta be married for that. And they're like, uh-oh, now he's starting to weird us out. <laughs> Before I, this all made sense. I don't... The clinics were immediately overcrowded by people seeking help. Um, they sold out. That's uh, okay. Cool. He also took to the streets in a mobile clinic. Okay. <laughs> do you do you hear that? It's the fuck truck. <laughs> it's the sex pole mobile. <laughs> Children, quick! <laughs> he would drive out to parks and to other suburbs. No! 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 Not the park. <laughs> Not the park. Do you want to play the hopscotch or, or the kickball? Uh, or oh, do you want some, no, some no. Marxist condoms? <laughs> I want Marxist condoms. And and with him would be his, his Bacchanalian cabal of psychoanalysis <laughs> no, it's and physicians. It's the obstetrician and the fucking lawyer in the bed. Blah, blah, blah. And the midwife just coming <laughs> along for the ride. Reich would talk to the teenagers and men while a gynecologist fitted the women with contraceptive devices. This is the worst. This is the worst. They also distributed sex education pamphlets door to door. That's good, I think, except I don't know what's in them. What I I don't I don't know the Marxist theory of sex oh also leah lasky uh the woman that reich was then in love with um, why not a medical school uh, uh associate of his um it was her job to speak to the kids while people were using the truck i believe the children are the future 
Teach them well, and they'll fuck in the truck. Reich published The Function of the Orgasm in 1927. It's to make you nut good. <laughs> and he dedicated it to the front jacket. This one's for no. Freud. I... I swear to God, I was really afraid you were gonna say it was to Marx, and I was gonna, I was gonna walk, I was gonna walk out of this fucking closet if you fucking pinned this one on Daddy Paul. I was gonna be so mad at you. I, the show would have been over. He had presented a copy of the manuscript to Freud as a 70th birthday present in 1926. Freud did not appear impressed. I, I, why would he? Why? He replied, "Quote." That thick when Reich handed the book to him. Mm, two C's. Two C's on that one for you, Carl. Two C's on that one for you. And took two months to write a brief but positive letter in response. If which, it takes you two months to write a positive letter, you are. It had great fonts. It was just so big. <laughs> this I admire the mass of this volume you've The given bibliography me. was well cited. Really like the part where you say it's for me on the front. <laughs> Reich interpreted that as a rejection. It's, Probably accurate. I mean, honestly, good interpretation there. Way to weird between the lines. Freud's view was that the matter was more complicated than Reich suggested, which is weird considering he said the book was too thick. It's like, more, oh, you didn't get it. No, because all you're talking about is fucking and the kids and Marx. And I don't, none of it goes together. He said it was just, it was way more complicated than Reich was making it out to be and that there was no single cause of neurosis. Good on you, Siggy. It took Siggy 70 years of blowing people's noses up to figure that one out, I though. Mean, yeah, <laughs> to come to that conclusion, yeah. though. To get that clarity. In 1929, he took a field trip. Where, where Reich and his wife visited the Soviet Union on a lecture tour. I'm so upset with you. Leaving the two children in the care of psychoanalyst Berta Bornstein. I'm so mad at you right now. Sheriff writes that he returned even more convinced of the link between sexual and economic oppression and of the need to integrate Marx and Freud. Chocolate and no. peanut butter, I've always said. A ball of rage right now. But Spencer, you need to release this rage in one way or another, so keep going. This was one of the central theoretical statements of his Marxist period, which included uh, many works like The Imposition of Sexual Morality, The Sexual Struggle of Youth, The Mass Psychology of Fascism, What I... is Class Consciousness, and The Sexual Revolution. All of those within four years. Oh, he's prolific. Look at him. He's, he's the fucking Beatles over here. Reich and his wife moved to Berlin in November 1930, where he set up clinics in working class areas, taught sex ed, and published pamphlets. He joined the Communist Party of Germany, but grew impatient over the delay in publishing one of his pamphlets, The Sexual Struggle of Youth. That one didn't come out fast. Okay, so then he got mad, so then what, he joined the fascists? Well, he set up his own publishing house. Oh, good. And published the pamphlet himself. His subsequent involvement... Oh, he's on, he's on, he's just self-publishing on Twitter now. These are his cassettes. Uh, his subsequent involvement in a conference promoting adolescent sexuality caused the party Wah. to announce... Take that one more time. Take that one more time. His subsequent involvement in a conference promoting mm -hmm. adolescent sexuality... Nope. Okay, that one's all right. Nope, we're skipping that one. Even nope. the kids. Moving on. And the unmarrieds. Caused the party to announce that it would no longer publish his material. Hey guys, this another example of where the communists were right. They pulled the plug. On March 24th, 1933, Freud told him that his contract with the International Psychoanalytic Publishers to publish character analysis had been canceled. Oh, good. Okay. So good to know that child pornography is still a line in the sand for some people. The world is turning against him. For right, character structure was the result of a social process, in particular a reflection of castration and Oedipal anxieties playing themselves out within the nuclear family. You have said more sentences tonight that make no fucking sense. I, I, none of it, it's just word salad. Reich proposed oh, that something he called muscular armor was a defense that contained the history of the patient's traumas. So we, we, we talk about human chitin. Yes. Human, human chitin. That's now. where you put all the bad shit. Okay. Like he did. For example, he blamed Freud's jaw cancer on his muscular armor rather than his smoking. See, he said that Freud's Judaism meant that he was biting down impulses rather than expressing them. Now, that's that's interesting because he's a Jew. Well, no. No, I'd never heard that. <laughs> 
Dissolving the armor would bring back the memory of the childhood repression that had caused the blockage in the first place. How do you dissolve the armor, Spencer? Well, uh, with therapy and sex oh. therapy. Oh, Fuck therapy. there it is. Yeah. Okay, you I was gotta about to you gotta say, fuck it up. I was about to say, no, no, it's fucking. Tell me why it's fucking. All right. This is where his marriage ends. He had oh. several affairs that ended the marriage with Annie Reich. He began a serious relationship with Elsa Lindenberg, a dancer and pupil. He was living with Lindenberg in Germany when Hitler became chancellor in, in January of 1933. What now, sort of character armor did that fun guy have? On March 2nd that year, the Nazi newspaper published an attack on Reich and Lindenberg. Well, all right. Well, guys, you've heard it here first. The Nazis were right about something. <laughs> Reich left the country as fast as he could the next day. Uh, he headed to Vienna. Back to Vienna, where everything's kosher and fine. Where the Nazis ain't a-coming. Nope. They then went to Denmark, uh, where Reich was excluded from the Danish Communist Party upon he, arrival. As he should be. Uh, because of his promotion of teenage sex and the publication that year of The Mass Psychology of Fascism, Good. which they regarded as counter-revolutionary. Yeah, all right. Okay, so the communists figured it out. He tried to join. We said no. Communists still right. Go communist. There were still multiple complaints about his promotion of abortion, sex education, and the attempted suicide of a teenage patient. Yeah, it seems to keep happening a lot. Yeah, it just follows him around. Reich's visa uh, expired at that point, and uh -oh. it was not renewed. Oh, the, D the Danes knew what was up. He tried to find support among psychoanalysis in the UK. Uh, if there's anywhere that will accept him, it's those fucking psychos. So he could get a visa and settle there. Uh, uh -huh. And he was interviewed in London by Ernest Jones, Melanie Klein, Johan Riviere, and James Strachey. Uh, I don't know about any Oh, that people. was the Beatles. I, I thought, oh, okay. you, thought right, you'd know right. them. No, okay. They decided that he had been insufficiently analyzed and had an unresolved hostility towards Freud. <laughs> Anna Freud, Freud's daughter. Okay. okay. All right, let's deal with this. <laughs> wrote this in 1938, quote, There is a wall somewhere where he stops to understand the other person's point of view and flies off into a world of his own. He is an unhappy person, and I am afraid this will end in sickness. Uh, so Anna Freud is the best psychoanalyst of anyone that we've ever talked about <laughs> now on this show, because, yeah, that's that's you've nailed that man to a T. Yeah, but she was a fucking bigot, so we don't really care. About I her. mean, they all were. Except Freud. He wasn't. Reich and Lindenberg moved instead to Malmo in Sweden. Oh, they will absolutely be accepted up there. Which Reich said, better than a concentration camp. From 1930 onwards... Reich began to treat patients outside of the limits of psychoanalysis restrictions. He would sit opposite them rather than behind them as they lay on a couch and begin talking to them and answering their questions instead of offering the stock, why do you ask analysis response. So instead of doing psychoanalysis, he started doing something not psychoanalysis. He had noticed that after a successful course of psychoanalysis, his patients would hold their bodies differently. So he began to try to communicate with the body using touch. He asked oh. the male patients to undress down to their shorts, sometimes entirely. Okay. And his female patients down to the underclothes. So he's doing he's doing massage. He's doing he's doing and, psychoanalyst massage. And do you know why he had to massage them? Was to break up the body armor. <laughs> this is full circle back to the magnetic finger banging, and you know what this is. That's <laughs> he is breaking up the kinks and their hoses with his with his magic fingers, and I don't love any of it. He first presented the principles of what he called character analytic vegetotherapy. I don't know why Vegeta needs to be involved in this. You get him out of here. Vegetotherapy replaced the psychoanalytic method of never touching a patient with quote a physical attack by the therapist. Well, that's what I want when I go. To therapy is some MMA. The method eliminated the psychoanalytic doctrine of neutrality, which was a bit of a bad thing. It, um, it's not psychoanalysis anymore. There's literally nothing any. There's none of it's left. But he says that the psychoanalytic taboo of touching the patient reinforces the neurotic taboo of the patient, which then does not allow us to break up that armor. We gotta break up the status quo. You know what? You know what armor's good for? Keeping weird pedophiles from touching me. I'd like to keep my armor on, thank you very much. He would press his thumb or the palm of his hand on their jaws, necks, backs, thighs, uh, aiming to dissolve their muscular and thereby character rigidity. He's doing Reiki healing over here, and I'm not fucking... I, honestly, I'm more into Reiki than I am into this. He's blowing a key point for sure to, to shatter up that armor. It, this is... If the session worked, he would see the waves of pleasure move throughout their bodies, which he called the orgasm reflex. 
Now, just before the Lucerne Conference, Reich was asked to resign from the International Psychoanalytical Association, where Anna Freud was the acknowledged leader at the time. As well she should be. Okay, so Reich's daughter claims that Anna Freud destroyed Reich's career. Reich stormed into the facility, cemented his reputation as a madman, camping in a tent outside the conference hall, reportedly carrying a large knife on his belt. Okay, so he's sex Rambo now. Paul Federn declared at the conference, either Reich goes or I go. Yep, I like this Federn guy. I'm down with it. In October 1934, Reich and Lindenberg moved to Oslo, Norway. Again, a pla- they'll be accepted. There's a, a we- uh, some weird people up there. He was invited uh, yeah, to lecture on uh, character analysis and Vegeta therapy, and uh, presumably he was not invited for everyone to laugh at him during it. Ah, uh, although that would be a better way to do it. They ended up staying for five years, and during his time in Norway, Reich attempted to ground his orgasm theory in biology. He was like, "All right, it's not working in psychology. We gotta, we gotta dial it back. We gotta, we gotta go somewhere different. We gotta go. We gotta. Oh, what's let's, so, so now he's going for the more tangibly disprovable thing. Yeah." Let's go. Let's get out of the one that kind of lets you play Calvin Ball with it, and let's get to the one where you actually need some science to back it up. Now, he, he was inspired by a metaphor that Freud had about the libido, and he argued that... Coke makes it go up! <laughs> he argued the libido was electricity or a literal chemical substance, which it's not. That's not. That's, that's not how any of this works, no. An argument that Freud had proposed in the 1890s, but had abandoned by that point. Yeah, because he—I mean, it was the 1890s. We were all—we were all doing shit back then, man. We all—we had bell bottoms and afros. We thought it was cool. He was just a—he was just a young man back then. Now, Reich argued that conceiving of the orgasm as nothing but mechanical tension and relaxation could not explain why some experience pleasure and others do not. The answer—the answer is some are faking it because you <laughs> suck at fucking, my friend. <laughs> He wanted to know what additional element had to be present for pleasure to be felt. Understanding what your partner needs, you psychopath. In nope. 1935, Reich brought an oscillograph and attached it to his friends and students, who volunteered to touch and kiss each other while Reich read the tracings and watched. <laughs> and, <laughs> and masturbated and, furiously. And one of the volunteers was a young Willy Brandt, the future chancellor of Germany. Oh, you've got to. So from 1934 to 1939, he conducted what he called the Bion Experiments. Now, these were done in Oslo. Um, he examined protozoa and grew cultured vesicles. And using, saw how they fucked. Using grass, sand, iron, and animal tissue, boiling them and adding potassium and gelatin. He would heat them up with a torch, and he said, um, he described a bright, glowing blue vesicle. His photographs and films of his experiment were taken to Kerry Bergrav, and he called them Bions, believing they were a rudimentary form of life halfway between life and non-life. That's not a thing, but fine. Purgatory. He wrote that when he poured the cooled mixture onto growth media, bacteria were born. Dismissing the idea that the bacteria were already present uh, in the air or other materials, uh, but he thinks he's making new life. Okay, so now he's God. Yeah, he's, he's making the bions. Okay, he's, make, he's making sea monkeys. He is, yeah, he's, basically the bacteria is just getting added into this process, and then he's seeing the dyed bacteria, and he's like, oh, I made that. <laughs> I did that. And then he just starts jerking off onto the samples, and then, oh, I made that too. And then he makes him kiss. In what Sheriff writes as the origins of the orgone theory... Yeah, that's where this is barreling towards. Uh, damn it. Reich said that he could see damn two it, kinds damn of bions. It, damn it. The blue vesicles and smaller red ones shaped like lancets. He called the former PA bions, the latter T bacilli standing for Todd. The T stands for Todd. It might as well. Which is German for death. He wrote in his book, The Cancer Biopathy, that he had found the Todd in rotting cancerous tissue obtained from a local hospital. He concluded that when orgone energy d- diminishes in cells through aging or injury, the cells undergo bionis degeneration. Scientists in Oslo reacted strongly to Reich's works on bions, deriding it as nonsense. Nonsense! Thank you! <laughs> Accurate! Good, call it what it is. Yes, spade a spade. He had a campaign launched against him in a very liberal newspaper in 1937, supported by scientists and other newspapers. So now they're really starting to shout him down. As well you do. That's what you do with crazy people. But these fools don't understand. That makes him stronger. Uh, I mean, it, it does build his character armor. 
1938, Reich's visa had expired. Oh, goody. I'm sure they'll renew that. Several Norwegian scientists argued against an extension. Good. Saying, quote, if it is a question of handing Dr. Reich over to the Gestapo, then I will fight that. But if one could get rid of him in a decent manner, (laughs) that would be best. (laughs) I do love that's like, all right, we don't want to throw him in a concentration camp. But he can't stay here. God, he's, he, you don't has, have to go to Auschwitz, but you can't stay here. Has someone uncovered the fact that he's a secret Jew yet? Everybody knows it by this point. It's okay. not very secret. Okay. Well, I didn't know. You didn't I, update me on that. I mean, it's uh, judging by the fact that everybody knows that he's on the run from the Nazis, I feel like that's... Well, I mean, a lot of people were on the run from the Nazis. They didn't all have to be Jewish. He was left humiliated, no longer comfortable in public and seething with bitterness against the researchers who had denounced him. Accurately denounced him. Uh, The people that had called out his bullshit. He was angry that someone had called out his nonsense. Now, despite the professional problems he had between 34 and 37, uh, this was described by uh, some historians as the happiest part of his personal life. His relationship was well. He considered marrying her. Uh, she got pregnant in 35. They had a botched abortion. <laughs> they were initially overjoyed buying clothes and furniture, uh, but doubts developed for Reich, who saw the future as too unsettled. Uh, so then then he made her get an abortion. There it is. There it is. Now, in his defense, Hitler was about to do his thing, so not an awful call, but yeah. yeah. So Reich began an affair with a female patient shortly uh-huh, thereafter. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> because, how you cope. Because things were going so well. I've heard brick by Ben Folds. I know how this goes. There was a newspaper campaign against Reich at the time and started gaining pace. His behavior took a toll on the relationship, and when Reich asked her to accompany him to the United States, <laughs> she said no. Okay, good. She made a good decision. I'm happy for her. But he still came here, and that sucks. Son of a bitch. When Hitler annexed Austria in March 1938, yeah. Reich's ex-wife and daughters had already left for the U.S., So later that year, a professor of psychiatry at Columbia University traveled to Norway to study under Reich. Is having the name Reich at this time like a a bad, like is that a hard thing to get around? I bet he didn't have a great time hanging out in the U.S. Probably not a cool time. Well, I mean, mean, we loved Nazis, so I mean, it's not really that big a deal. (laughs) I mean, Billy Hitler had a hard time getting work, though. Reich wrote in his diary in May 1939 on his stay in America, quote, I am sitting in a completely empty apartment waiting for my American visa. I have misgivings about how it will go. I am utterly and horribly alone. It will be quite an undertaking to carry on all the work in America. Essentially, I am a great man, a rarity as it were. I can't quite believe it myself, however, and that is why I struggle against playing the role of a great man. I don't like like any of this. I'm great, but I don't believe in myself. (laughs) I know I'm great, but God, I I don't have the self-esteem to pat myself on the back these days. He received the visa in August 1939, uh, possibly known as the greatest mistake any customs uh, official ever yeah, made. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. We've let some fun ones in. He began, Hitler, for example. He began teaching at the new school where he remained until May what? 1941. I have comrades that are attending it right now. They sent us this equipment. Hey, guys. Reich here taught until 1941. There he conducted experiments on mice with cancer, injecting them with uh, more Todd. <laughs> get him, get more bions in them. What did he think he was doing? He was putting the bions in them. For which was, what? Uh, he's going to stop cancer, I guess. <laughs> so Reich's personality changed after his experience in Oslo. He had become socially isolated and became a bit more of a hostile asshole. His... A bit more? How much more can you be? It was shortly after he arrived in New York in, in 1939 that Reich first said he had discovered a biological or cosmic energy, an oh. extension of Freud's idea of the libido. I, I just love the cosmic energy. He's he's really tapping into it. He called it orgone energy. Yeah, he did. Or orgone radiation. Uh-huh. And the studies of it Orgonomy. Uh Uh-huh, because why, I mean, we've already had sexology, why the fuck not? Reich said he had seen orgone in the sky at night with an organoscope. That's not a thing. Well, it's not a thing. You say that, but they follow it up. It's a special telescope. It's not. It's a special telescope. It's not. Just because you put your dick on it doesn't make it special. <laughs> he argued that it uh, Oregon is in the soil and in the air. It's blue or gray. And that humanity has divided its knowledge of it into two. The aether for the physical aspect and God for the spiritual. No. 
Yep. Uh huh. God's, God's, God's your fuck energy that's floating around. He's half of it. <laughs> the color of the sky, the northern lights, St. Elmo's fire, and the blue of sexuality in excited frogs. What the fuck are you talking about? What are you talking about? All of those sources of blue are orgone. <laughs> I'm I'm blue, Abu Di Abu Dai. The sky is blue because you guys are all so horny. Frogs get blue when they're horny because of orgone. I've seen frogs. Now, maybe I haven't seen them sufficiently horny, but I think I've seen them horny uh, enough. Okay, there's a species of frog. Certain horny frogs, certain horned toads, blue when they want to fuck, and that's because of orgone. And I need you to accept that. Because we can't move forward without it. <laughs> but we also can't go back. Imagine, like, going to... I don't want to. Imagine going to the Northern Lights, and, like, you're you're on a beautiful honeymoon up in, like, Northern Iceland in the winter, and, oh, my God, those Northern Lights, they're beautiful. And you and your you and your honey, you're, like, sitting on the roof of your little camper van, and and one of you says to the other, like, do you ever just wonder how, how it's so... Be like, how, how could something so beautiful exist? And then some guy, like, 20 feet off in a, in a rocky outcropping goes... Oh, I have the answer. <laughs> okay, one, why is the creepy German man allowed in my camp? And two, I hate you. In 1940, he began to build insulated Faraday cages, orgone accumulators, as he would call them, what? that would set that would be said to concentrate the orgone. The earliest boxes were for laboratory animals. The first human-sized, five-foot-tall box was built in December 1940 to harvest their fuck energy and set up in the basement of his house. Again. Come on in. To harvest the fuck energy. Turner writes that it was made of plywood lined with rock, wool, and sheet iron, and had a chair inside and a small window. Patients were expected, uh, by the way, to, uh, to, to sit in the box naked. Of course they were. You're harvesting their fuck energy. Did I bury the lead? <laughs> Little bit. The accumulators were tested on plant growth and mice with cancer. And right. how did it work out? Well... Reich wrote to his supporters in July 1941 that orgone is definitely able to destroy cancerous growth. This is proved by the fact that tumors in all parts of the body are disappearing or diminishing. No other remedy in the world could claim such a thing. I mean, I mean, chemotherapy could a little bit, but that just might be me. Although not licensed to practice medicine in the United States, he began testing the boxes on humans. There's nothing to test. It's just a box. It's just a fuck box. Began testing them, I mean... On people with cancer and schizophrenia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, why not? Go crazy. That's what they... Well, that's what someone with schizophrenia needs is to be put in a weird plywood box with a window so some dude can just stare at you. While he harvests your, you know, vital essence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, while he claims to be siphoning something out of you. He asked his supporters to stick with him through the criticism, believing that he had developed a grand unified theory of physical and mental health. No, uh-huh, yeah. He's, he's, he's made the string theory of fuck energy. He's really on it, guys. In December 1940, Reich wrote to Albert Einstein saying he had no. a scientific discovery he wanted to discuss. The fact that I pulled string theory there right before he called Einstein is really just... Mm, Tell me Einstein does not acknowledge him. Well, he goes to Einstein's Princeton home. That's where probably they, a bad idea. Where they talked for nearly five hours. That's too much time for Einstein to talk to anybody. He told Einstein that he had discovered a specific biologically effective energy which behaves in many respects differently to all that is known about electromagnetic energy. He told him about orgone, the made-up thing. He made up a thing and then talked to the smartest guy in the world about it. He said it could be used against disease and as a weapon in the fight against the fascist pestilence. Okay, so it's medicine, but it's also a weapon. Einstein agreed that if an object's temperature could be raised without an apparent heating source, as Reich was suggesting, it would be a bomb. During their next meeting, he gave him a small accumulator, and over the next 10 days, Einstein performed experiments with it in his basement, which involved taking the temperature above, inside, and near the device, and stripping it down to a Faraday cage to compare temperatures. Now, if you do not immediately now tell me that Einstein told him it was bullshit and it was nonsense, I'm going to lose respect for, like, a dude. Einstein concluded that the effect was simply due to the temperature gradient inside the room. Okay, so what he did is he made a box, and when you put a box inside of a thing, it's naturally going to be a different temperature and everything else. And so yes, that's precisely. It, okay, okay. Precisely. So, so he was Einst like, things get colder inside boxes sometimes. So Einst hotter. Einstein Sherlock Holmes his way out of it. Reich lost faith in Einstein because uh, Einstein was part of a conspiracy against him. Yeah, Uh-huh. Yep, that makes sense. All right, now we're getting to this part. Perhaps related to the communists or prompted by the rumors that Reich had been to the mental hospital. 
Reich published his correspondence in 1953 as, quote, the Einstein Affair. Coming from the fuck doctor, that sounds like it should be steamier than it probably ends up being. In 1941, uh, he lost his teaching position uh, after he claimed to have saved several lives in secret experiments with his orgone boxes. So they were like, well, you're starting to become... Well, now you're just full of... Now you're the National Enquirer, so we're going to stop letting you be a doctor. He was evicted from his Castle Street house. Good, good, all good things. Now his supporters kick in, give him about fourteen grand to buy him a new house, and so he resettles. So when I went for infamous or cult, I missed. I missed yes, you is did. what you're saying. Yes, okay. you did. All right. Five days after the attack on Pearl Harbor, Reich was arrested in his home at 2 a.m. by the FBI and taken to Ellis Island. The only good thing the FBI has literally ever done in the history of ever. He was held for over three weeks. He identified himself at the time as an associate professor of medical psychology. Or a liar. Director of the Orgone Institute. That's, that's, that's not a real thing. He was at first left to sleep on the floor in a large hall, surrounded by members of the fascist German-American Bund, who Reich feared might kill him. But when his psoriasis returned, he was transferred to the hospital ward. Oh, good. It came back like a squid shooting. I was about to say his natural, his character armor came back. (laughs) Oh, God. He was questioned by the possession of several books when the FBI raided his home, including Mein Kampf, Trotsky's My Life, a biography of Lenin, and a Russian alphabet book for children. Uh, Mein Kampf and the Trotsky book? Yeah, that tracks. This shit's too European. That's all I can figure out, boss. Ah, fuck it. Book him. I mean, yeah, FBI, yeah, the track. So he went on a hunger strike. That always ends well for uh, crazy people. And then they let him go. That actually ended well for this crazy person. All right. Yeah, so Turner writes uh, that Reich was the victim of a mistaken identity. Uh, nope, nope, they got his identity right on. He is the fuck doctor. There was a William Reich who ran a bookstore in New Jersey, which was used to distribute communist material. They like were looking one. for that guy. Oh. I assume they eventually caught him if Wiki tells me who he was. No, no, he got away. So the FBI acknowledged the mistake in 1943 and closed Reich's file. In 2000, it released a 789-page file on Reich. The FDA came after him for promoting orgone accumulators and the idea of biome. Okay, so the again, the FDA, we have a lot of organizations that are notoriously shitty coming through and doing their one good thing when it comes to tracking this guy down and fucking with him. Yeah. Uh, this resulted in an injunction in March 19th, 1954. Again, so close to my birthday, but not quite. The judge ordered that all accumulators, parts, and instructions be destroyed and that several of Reich's books be withheld. All right, I'm, I'm here for it, yeah. So this causes him to go a little more cuckoo nuts. And uh, starting around 1954, he came to believe the planet was under attack by UFOs, or energy alphas, as he called them, Mm -hmm. uh, shaped like thin cigars with windows, leaving streams of black, deadly orgone radiation in their wake. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. (laughs) Sometimes it's a magical fuck box with orgone energy. So he and his son would spend their nights searching for UFOs through their special telescopes and binoculars. Um, and when they believed they'd found one, they would roll out the cloud buster to suck the energy out of it. The cloud buster. You said that word, and yet it still means nothing. Wright claimed he had shot several of them down, armed with two cloud busters. It's the proton packs from Ghostbusters. Yes, it's a proton pack vacuum mixed with an artillery. It's the Luigi's Mansion machine. Uh, armed with two cloud busters, they fought what Wright called a full-scale interplanetary battle in Arizona, where he had rented a house. Why is he in Arizona now? I- where he moved. They'd, uh, they name a city after you in Maine and you bail for Arizona? In Contact with Space, a 1956 book he wrote, he wrote of the, quote, very remote possibility that his own father had been from outer space. Why? Well, that's probably part of his character armor. Spencer, I asked you a question. God it, damn it, you answer my question. It's part of his character armor. I you see that he is um, he's putting off the father abuse onto the fact that, no, 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 no. Daddy. My dad was an alien. While Reich was in Arizona in May of 1956, one of his associates sent an accumulator part through the mail to another state, violating the injunction. Thank you. I was about to say, we're going to get him on interstate accumulator trafficking. Let's go. Yep. They sent part of an Oregon sex box across state lines. Oh, another FDA inspector posing as a customer requested it. So it was a sting. (laughs) It was a sting. Reich and another associate, Dr. Michael Silver, were charged with contempt of court. Silver had been looking after the inventory in Reich's absence. So Reich, at first 
refused to attend court and was arrested and held for two days until a supporter posted bail at 30 grand. Why are people, I swear to God. 30 grand in 1956. Spencer, the fact that we haven't found a way to turn this into a grift is just, it it literally is just proving that we're not trying because if this guy can do it, anyone can do it. (laughs) Representing himself during the hearing, he admitted the violation but pleaded not guilty and hinted at conspiracies. The jury found him guilty on May 7th, and he was sentenced to two years imprisonment. Yay! Good. Now, uh, a couple months later, while he's in prison, two FDA officials arrived at Organon to supervise the destruction of his accumulators. (laughs) Most of them had been sold by that time, and another 50 were with Silver in New York. Only three were in Organon, but the FDA agents weren't even allowed to destroy them, only supervised the destruction. So Reich's friends and his son, Peter, chopped them up with axes as the agents watched. That's a weird kink. Once they were destroyed, Reich placed an American flag on top of them. Why? 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 Do, do, do. (laughs) Stop it. No. On on June 26, the agents returned to supervise the destruction of his promotional material. (laughs) You gotta get rid of these flyers. Now. Why, and why was that two trips? <laughs> why, why not knock it out in one? You're For just real. To, you're trying to milk the expense report at that point. So on August 23rd, six tons of Reich's books. I just watched the confusion hit your face. That six tons. Confusion of his, isn't the word. Of his books, journals, and papers burned in New York. I just love that they are attempting to erase this man from the face of the planet. He uh, appealed the court's lower decision in October 1956, but the Court of Appeals upheld it on December 11th. He wrote several times to J. Edgar Hoover, director of the FBI, requesting a meeting. (laughs) That would be fitting punishment for Hoover to have to sit through a meeting with a psychopath. And he even tried to appeal to the Supreme Court, which decided on February 25th, 1957... Not nah, to review his case. Yeah, nah, nah. <laughs> on, on March 12th, he and Silver were sent to Danbury Federal Prison. Silver committed suicide within the year. Actually, he killed himself when he got out. That's a weird... He had a Brooks thing. He he, he couldn't a, adjust to life on the outside. <laughs> I've been in for five months. I'm, I'm a different person now. Here are some notes on uh, uh, s- some people who, who took notes on him while he was uh, uh, committed. The patient feels that he has made outstanding discoveries. Gradually, over a period of many years, he has explained the failure of his ideas and becoming universally accepted by the elaboration of psychotic thinking. The Rockefellers are against me. Excuse me, the Rockefellers are against me. That's one of those made sense, and the other one's a group of weird chair people. The airplanes flying over prison are sent by the Air Force to encourage me. <laughs> encourage him to do what he believed the president was on his side and was sending the planes as a sign of don't worry i'm coming to get you out who was the president at this time jade der hoover would have been eisenhower yeah i believe that ike was on this guy's side <laughs> and but but the thing is, is it's not like they're skywriting they're just flying over yeah no i buy that though no this all makes sense this all tracks now i'm on all this right. guy's team a few days later on his 60th birthday i have stockholm syndrome he now. wrote this to his son peter then 13 years old. I am in Lewisburg. I am calm, certain in my thoughts, and doing mathematics most of the time. I am kind of above things, fully aware of what is up. Do not worry too much about me, though anything might happen. <laughs> um, not ominous at all. I know, Pete, that you are strong and decent. At first, I thought you should not visit me here. Yes, I agree. I do not know. With the world in turmoil, I now feel that a boy your age should experience what is coming his way. Fully digest it without getting a bellyache, so to speak. Nor getting off the right track of truth, fact, honesty, fair play, and being above board. This is this is another one of those things where I think either you're having a stroke or I am. One Never or the a other. sneak. Well, his words fell apart towards the end. He applied for a presidential pardon in May, but to no avail. Oh, I thought Ike was flying the planes. <laughs> no planes went over after that. Oh, no. Peter visited him in jail several times, where one prisoner said Reich was known as the, quote, flying saucer guy and the, quote, sex box man. <laughs> I mean, it's how I know it. Reich told Peter that he cried a lot and wanted Peter to let himself cry, too, believing that tears are, quote, the great softener. Oh, they, they're they are melting the, the character armor with they're, the Oregon. Energy. I have acidic tears and they're going to melt this armor away. His last letter was to his son on October 22nd, 1957, when he said he was looking forward to being released on November 10th, having served one third of his sentence. That seems 
That seems unfair. A parole hearing had been scheduled for a few days before that date. He wrote that he and Peter had a date for a meal at the Howard Johnson restaurant near Peter's school. <laughs> oh, let's go to the Hojo's, guys. Come on. Reich failed to appear for roll call on November 3rd, though. Uh-oh. He and Andy Dufresne. And was... <laughs> He's, there's a <laughs> hole behind his picture of the Oregon they, bot. They, <laughs> turns out he had used a cloud buster to fucking blast his way out. <laughs> No, he was dead. Oh, no! He was fully clothed, but no. for his shoes. What? Wait, huh? Why is that fact necessary? <laughs> I don't know, because when they write it like that, I initially read it as all he was wearing was his shoes. Oh, yeah, no, that would make more sense. The prison doctor said he had died during the night of a heart attack. Oh, he was, what sweet justice. He was buried in a vault at Organon that he had asked his caretakers to dig in 1955. He should have been buried in a fuckbox. He had left instructions that there would be no religious ceremony, but that a record should be played of Schubert's Ave Maria, sung by <laughs> Marianne Anderson. Ave Maria! And that his granite headstone should read simply, quote, Wilhelm Reich, born March 24th, 1897. Died. <laughs> None of his academic journals carried an obituary. I've never come out of one of these feeling good, but this is a this is a weird ennui that you've you've driven me into, and I don't I don't know how to get out of it anymore. Final note: his his daughter left behind some uh, left some hot takes because a journal of his was found, not to skip over it nor to put too fine a point on it, but that he was probably molested by the maid at age 12. I mean, this this man had a very serious mental illness very at some much level. So. And his, uh, his pursued a career that tried to explain that to him in a way he could rationalize. And, and it's bizarre that he went through that many mental health professionals and not a one of them could, like, get him the help he needed. It's almost like psychoanalysis is bullshit and doesn't help anybody. <sighs> it could also all be entirely true. It details not only bad shit that happened to him, but bad shit he did to other people and things. Because um, he's a bad person. He's a bad person and mentally ill. And here's the thing. You can be both. You can be both. You can definitely be you both. You can be both. You can empathize with the, with the mental illness and also acknowledge the fact that he's a sociopath that shouldn't have been allowed to, uh, to be around people. This has been the Cock and Bull podcast. And, I'm unhappy. And this is Nathan's punishment for putting me through Mosquito Land, which felt like 10 years. Because this one is without a doubt the longest. This, that makes sense. This is this feels this feels right. We want to thank Driftless Pony Club for allowing us to use their song The Buffalo on the Ark off the album Cholera. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Which is uh, and which is not at all. I hope you enjoy this far more than we enjoyed making it because God somebody needs to derive enjoyment from this t torture session. Check out Mark's Madness, check out Blunder Phonics if you haven't heard it already, and we will catch you next time. Uh I'm not in